monologue I don't know how to swim yet I love to stand alone in the forceful waves emerging from an arms distance away under the moonish night at the unpopulated ocean shore those waves pull me as if the eternal lost love as if a known message stuck inside a glass bottle with coke thinner than the pinky finger as if music so common yet unpluggable as if hypnotized by the tune of waves hitting against themselves till i realize that the force of the ocean is far more intense than my resistance i'm far from the shore alone i see my near death with water above my neck i comprehend the coast i notice the distance increasing but i don't cry for help i float i submerge i wobble but i wait not for help but for a mighty wave to push me back to shore I love to play with death feel the timeless silence somehow run a simulation of what darkness in the afterlife is it makes me acknowledge living further i know i know you must be thinking how lonely this person is just to make a point i was a perfect boyfriend material like i would netflix with my girl and never cheat on episodes we would discuss the story over a glass of champagne and pizza deadly combination i know and never have a void of things to discuss if betrayal was a fruit which one would it be see lychee taste much better than the overhyped red fruit of love making pj's apart in the first chapter we pronounced the man a son of a bitch let's still stick with that for the moment he deceived a man who hosted him sir he was intelligent that's unquestionable he knows to do the job but there is a hauntable question like is he so brilliant that no team or at least a partner was sent along or the center and the cbi wanted this project to fail if we let history speak for itself he was assigned several partners with a buddy span of barely months now we can presume to know why they could have left the man was a lone wolf he demanded trust and that's all he did he had plans that only he knew about and somehow felt that his partners were obligated to put a blinder and trust him for their lives it seems like the job that watson did for sherlock let's hope we, he gets a partner by the end of the novel oh please not the obvious we are already expecting a lot from this novel this year the next day sir he felt a mighty smashing kick on door reminding him of daya from the sony soap cid well he was forcing no other entry option He had prepared himself in the best of clothes. Parimal, bastard you! You tricked me into believing that I could trust you. Before Parimal could barge at him with punches and kicks, his hands and eyes facing opposite ways. Parimal, what the hell? Why are you all naked and oiled up? Sarhi, I can have you arrested for hiding information vital for the case. Parimal, facing the other way. man please dress up first you spoiled your mood sarhi you forcefully entered into the room of a bachelor what else do you expect in the morning he waited outside patiently for the man to delubricate himself and put on some clothes since a sizable chunk of the door containing the knob was missing parimal stood against the opening to hold the outer view till things were pleasant to the eyes once sarhi was ready 
it took no second to kick him between his thighs toasting the charge to his felicitous and healthy sex life pariman i bet you didn't see that coming sari had a bulged face as he slowly moved downwards he looked at the stable at the groin guard that laid there peacefully normally he would wear it but instead he missed the kung fu move of the adg pariman your case and mine are different i don't want it to be politicized while the world looks at you i'm trying to undo my wrongs sir he crawled to the edge of the room took some cold bottles out of the lower compartment in the fridge and kept it gently to cover the areas affected sir he sir i say and i repeat we have to be on the same page you seem to be a man of integrity i don't want to hurt that but i'm here to solve a case and i would do anything to solve the case parimal we know what case you are here for you want to dig up trash on x cm sir he let's make things clear between us i have to solve the case you want to find ahana i have no interest in her till she is a stake in the case i will provide you my intel on her but she won't be on my priority list about the xcm and her kitty parties they are not your business anymore parimal you say you are a cop selfish to your boundaries people like you flaunt the oaths that are taken sir he don't get me started on oaths and there are many like me in abundance or should i say how much do we know of anyone to make a judgment of all people you are the one who holds the badge of honor when it was your brother in law who sacrificed his life you took the credit for the success of the encounter of the mafia while your kin burst into ashes please don't teach me how self and selflessness differentiate we all are parsimonious in measures and respect we are treated by the outside world parimal did not expect this boom boom reception the mention of the felicitation he received struck chords with the darkest dome of his memories parimal how how do you know about it he said with a silent deep tone and breath that only one could forge on a ventilator sir he it's everywhere in your home there are no medals no family photos no photos with your wife your marriage isn't going well you're mostly into work you haven't bought anything new for the house on social media your wife never stands beside you you are a man who won't cheat hence it must be a family issue you have a prosthetic leg received on the day of the collision i saw your footage you weren't happy but you still accepted the appreciation and promotion parimal i sometimes wonder how alive are you and who stands inside your body no wonder you are alone running away from yourself the cm wanted me as the new adg then i was lower in rank but she conceived me to accept the honor the day i returned home it wasn't a home anymore my daughter never drove the new bicycle you saw chained outside i gave it on her birthday as they spoke they sat opposite each other on the floor agreeing to talk with one boundaries 
Sari ordered fruit from the room service for both of them. In the first chapter, we made a wish. We envied a character to have an everyday life, one who could bring a smile not with jokes but with innocence. Alas, the wait continues. Sarhi, I don't want you to trust me, and it's best that way. We are not here to make the world a better place. Just two guys hanging in a bar trying to pick up different chicks who turned out to be sisters. Now we hate each other but can't leave them because the sex is too good. I have something for you here as a package of your new bond. He pulled out the negative that he obtained at the back of the number plate that hung around his horse's neck. The spur of emotions in the eyes of Parimal explained his later questions and urged for answers through Sari kept quiet. Sarhi What I don't get is your emotional quotient for Ahan. It seems like 90s melodrama. She was on your team. I know you want her alive. It would help if you can be as objective as you used to be. This case has become personal for you and that is hurting both of us. As promised, I will deliver all I know about her. Parimal pulling his collar. How old is this picture? Why didn't you put in colors? What is this place? Sarhi I have no idea. The horse is a message. someone is trying to tip me to find your girl before they could begin the so called cooperation the room service came running to his room and handed him the morning newspaper sari switched on the television and forwarded the paper after reading the headlines in bold and black the body of urvi which was found inside the idol of goddess durga in part 1 buried behind the church in the burial ground was exhumed The carcass was not to be found anywhere nearby. The coffin was clean, handled with care, and there were no shovel nearby. The keepers of the graveyard claimed to have seen the woman rising from the dead and walking. He thought it to be a usual sight for him as he boasted of seeing such souls every night wandering around and hence bothered least to inform the relevant authorities and the church. On the television they saw the police especially Pradeep on the investigation side and the media was more than interested to see him back in action change of plots a few days back it was cool as an uncold room dark as a rat hole silent as a funeral bell and closed as the open celestial space no birds chirped no wind brushed through the leaves no horns honked no steps stamped no breath heard plain death discipline there was no clock around no second hand made the resounding tick tock as if one was in the outer cosmos gravity was more than powerful her lips had withered as she gained faint consciousness she could hear someone coming telling her to drink something but she was weak and fainted again the wait was longer than expected When Ahana took the taxi it was dusty and windy outside. She requested the driver to close the windows. The driver was one of them. They called him the driver because it was his job to locate, capture and transport the cargo. He wore a mask as the volume inside the car filled with the gas emanating from beneath her legs as she pushed the simulator switch placed in the position of the AC button. 
The gas was a vaporized drug with an extended half-life. It took no time for her to lose sensation. She became a cargo ship as he shifted her to the taxi's trunk in the outskirts of the city in NH12. The room she was motionless in smelt as if rotting. The moisture had captured the volumetric cap- capacity. The after-effects of the drug were so strong that she still felt as if riding in the cab, combined with the weakness, made it even difficult for her to open her eyes, though she could feel her muscles now. Suddenly, someone slammed the door, making a commotion that vibrated through the entire space-time continuum. She could hear steps. They were there. And the steps grew louder and heavier as if being dragged. Scared with no perceptibility, she crawled like a snake backwards till she hit a dead end. Something hurt her eyes. It was light. Not bright, but flickering as if being charioted. Indeed, it was a lantern, certainly dated and uncleaned, as the amorphous suit covered most of the glass. The light so far was not direct but a mere reflection. No more the above words applied. The light hit her eyes directly. Whosoever it was advanced toward her with a mobile source of light swinging in simple harmonic motion. It was a man, an older adult who must have aged in the 90s. His skin hung on the limited muscles he owned. There was no teeth, not even artificial. The weight of the lantern, cast in cast iron, gave him a crooked spine. He placed it at a height that would not stretch his arms. And with his other hand, he forwarded a glass of filthy-looking, gutter-smelling water to Ahana. Drink it. You're weak. This will help you. Ahana, <coughs> who are you? Where am I? You're already worse. We have lost time. Drink now. We have lots to cover up. Ahana did not touch whatever it was. She was thirsty and hungry but did not trust the crooked man with no stick. Believe me, if you are here, unharmed, untouched, then you are not a tourist. Nothing bad would happen. This time she sensed logic and took a sip of the cocktail. It was intolerable. It tasted like dirt and algae. It was slime. She spit it then and there. She had vomiting movements. The sensations made her gasp for air. I have to clean again, said the man as he approached towards his lantern. Lifting the molded cast iron, he bothered not if she was following both his steps and words. He moved on. The darkness was observed soon in the room as she felt her legs numb. She needed answer and could not lose the man from her side. She drank the slime, closing her nose. The feeling of the disgust was embryonic, but she could feel her legs now. The old man was slow. Though Ahana felt like a new walker, she held on to things to catch up to the man. Ahana, what was that shit I just drank? It was made of lizard eggs and my secret recipe, highly nutritious, kicks the adrenaline flow inside the body. The vibrato of the words was enough. She vomited everything. It smelled terrible and she puked again. The man walked unaffected. 
She stretched her hands and found a few pages to wipe up the reminiscence from her clothes and throat. This is a museum. I'm the watchman. Follow me. With my insufficient knowledge, I'll try to show you around. Ahana, are you alone here? Watchman, I live outside, but when someone visits, I take care. Ahana, outside? How to go outside? Where is the way out? Watchman, the room where you stand hosts the art and artifacts, cherishing the contribution of those who initiated the movement. Come, follow me. There is a lot to cover. Ahana, can't you listen to me? I have no interest here. I need to go out. Watchman moved ahead, ignoring her words and weakness. To my left, the chamber is a vast, dusty library with journals, research works and books written by the contributors of our society. You won't feel your time here once you get your hands in there. Other visitors here have enjoyed their time in this chamber. The chamber leads to a theatre. No one plays anymore. Moving on now. Ahana. Why are there no doors and windows? Why is it so dark here? Who pays you for the maintenance? Who owns this place? Watchman. Now we come to the final room. A room that will decide what your future holds. Best of luck. The sound ended. No footsteps were heard. It was dark again. Ahana doubled her speed only to realize that the man vanished in thin air. She shouted for help and cried only to listen to the dying echo. The rooms were large. It was circular. The rooms were connected and the walls were thick. Concrete was impregnable, but the first thing for her was the cold and the light. She needed to observe. She needed to calm her pulse and she needed to feed her muscles. It was evident that she was not there to die. If she at all served any purpose, there was no such narration or there would be another visitor of the watchman soon. The building could not be old enough not to have a wiring system. If the building enjoyed such magnificent nature and importance to the so-called society, it could not be unattended. Or it could even be the place where she smuggled items were kept. Suddenly she was reminded of something, the library in the museum. The watchman said that people read there. If people read there, then there must be some source of light. There must be the main power handle. The old man was either talking sense or codes. She touched the walls, though they were very cold. Her upper epidermis had become nascent to the feel of touch. The walls were plain. Within her reach, she dragged her body against the will. No switches. You won't feel your time here once you get your hands in there. This was the line in the exact order of vowels and consonants said by the watchman. She thought it over and over and realized that she had to get a book from the library to read to summarize what the phrase get your hands in there must mean. She was right. As she grasped a book from the shelf, the circuit was somehow complete. There was light. Everything became alive. She cried as if she got a new pair of eyes. She kept the book on the round table to learn where she was and possibly find a way out. Round and round she went. Every door could be opened with ease as if oiled regularly. Every room opened to the other. Life was already a bobby trap for her. The water in the cup was warm. The room temperature became habitable. It was a functioning museum. 
Her body organs felt some healthy load of oxygen. She touched every wall to see if there was a secret door. After hours of inspection, she concluded that though she was not there to die, someone wanted her to be there to know something. The only human interaction she had was with the watchman. She tried contemplating his words. Other visitors here have enjoyed their time in this chamber. She was reminded of this sentence again. Indeed, the words meant that there were visitors and there aren't any more. So the way out could be in the books and journals around or maybe a map of the place defining the architecture and design of the building. Where should she start from? The books were everywhere, at least two stories to mark. Think, think, think resonated in her brain. The tables had none. The room wasn't dusty, as the watchman said. Was it an indication that she had to locate a dusty book? It could be a dusty location or just dust to start with. The labor was futile. There had to be something she was missing. Then she remembered the watchman did not start with the library but with the room containing artifacts of the founders. Maybe she had to start from there. The syrup she drank made her brain function as a supercomputer. The room hung empty photo frames. There were statues but headless. Who on earth made such puppets? She sat on the floor, the very place she was lying unconscious a few hours ago. Everything in the room was positioned in a manner. If so, then she why was she lying there and not someplace else? That would mean that she was not close to the door that led outside. She was there for a purpose to start with. This argument in her head had some juice for her. She lay down on the floor and tried to look around on the floor, on the ceilings, the vicinity, and there it was, a ray of hope. Where she led on the wall, suspended with the support of a nail was a dusty photo frame. She put it down and behind the frame was a safe. Inside the safe was a file. As suspicious as it could get, the file had the stamp of the government or India on it. There was something more as she swept her hand inside the box. It was a photo of Queen Elizabeth, the Queen of England.